0: Welcome Welcome to to the Freedom Freedom Fries Fries podcast from the timeless Army-Navy rivalry to a passion for pursuing financial freedom through real estate. Join Mike and Spiros for real talk about the huge wins and crushing losses of patriots who relentlessly pursue financial freedom. Freedom Fries is focused real estate investing for epic success.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Freedom Fries Real Estate Podcast. As always, it's your main man Mike, and I am here with my main man and co-host Spiros Nefako. Spiros, how are we doing, brother? How are you feeling today?
2: Hey, we're doing great. Uh it's been a it's been a solid start to 2024 and yeah, man. Had some had some really great guests. Um, <laughs> tonight's special, uh we've got first of all, we have our first Air Force Academy graduate on the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, so we, we, you know, we want to be equal opportunity for everybody. So uh, <laughs> we're bringing them on. But, uh, but I'll tell you, I um, am super excited about what uh, our listeners are going to hear about. This is a guy who's taking being a real estate investor to the next level and he's actually building a business. He's building a, a legit enterprise around the process of investing in real estate. So I love it. Can't wait for you guys to meet him.
1: Yeah, Spiros, I I couldn't agree with you more. I just want to read one thing real quick to give everybody an introduction of uh, Mr. Jason Lee, who we who we we have on the episode today. All right, Jason is an Air Force grad. He um, over the past two years, he successfully closed over 150 real estate deals, and he's accrued a rental portfolio worth more than five million dollars. And he got off of active duty uh, what just last May, so he's freshly in the service. Um, You know, really just an inspiration, really crushing it. He gives a lot of great tips on how to be successful, whether you have a lot of money, no money, how to build relationships, how to build a business, um, how to hire good employees. So one of my favorite episodes by far. So please, everybody, you know, listen all the way through and uh, Spiros and I will stop talking and uh, let's bring him on in. All right, welcome, Mr. Jason Lee, to the Freedom Fries Real Estate Podcast. Um, We were just talking a little bit before this about uh, our service in the military and whatnot. So, I actually, Jason, I think you are our first uh, Air Force veteran on the show. So, congratulations! I will save try to
2: be equal opportunity.
1: Yeah, I will save. I'll save all my chair force uh, jokes towards the end of the uh, the conversation. But, uh, Jason, please uh, tell the people a little bit about who you are, and uh, let's kick off this conversation. I'm really excited about this. Is it's going to be an awesome Someone.
3: absolutely so yeah super such an honor to to be the first one. I'm cool. glad you guys are finally including the superior branch in your, <laughs> in your podcast and whatnot. Uh, I know you had to do a little bit of warm up before you got to the big guns. So that's right. Yeah. That's right. I, like yeah that's right. I like it. I like it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, as Mike had mentioned, uh, I'm in the Air Force. Graduated from the Air Force Academy back in 2018 and moved straight to San Antonio. Was stationed at JPSA Lackland. Yeah. I kind of got into real estate um, probably a few months after I graduated. Uh, just stumbled across the podcast, really got super lucky. I was just kind of tired listening to music, commuting to work back and forth. So, I, uh, was typing in, hey, like, what are some business podcasts I can listen to? Um I was a business management major and kind of ran up my alley, and then discovered Bigger Pockets. So that was kind of the thing that got me into it. I think a lot of people have heard of Bigger Pockets. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's what kind of got me started and in introduced into the real estate journey.
2: Jason, we've talked about two things so far on the podcast that seem to be constant amongst all of us one is we've probably all read rich dad poor dad that's kind uh-huh. of a standard required reading and then we probably all subscribe to the bigger pockets podcast as well and that's that's how we you know, so many of our listeners. And I think a lot of our guests, I think we all agree, like that's sort of the foundational entry point for all of us into this crazy journey.
3: Absolutely. And I, I was one of the people that checked those two boxes. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was one of the first books. I <laughs>
1: yeah, every the time show,
3: They always ask, Hey, what's one of two books you recommend? Uh-huh. And that I was one of them that kept coming up. And I think there's a definitely a reason why um, those are two ways people get introduced into real estate, just because I think they're, they both produce, like, I guess, um, give information at pretty much, like, pretty much, like an entry level to where yeah. anyone can understand it uh, any. Anybody- uh-huh investment career, uh, people can like pick up and just start learning and actually doing stuff.
1: Jason, I want you to touch upon something real quick, right? Because I, whenever I talk to a new investor or, or you know, a cadet or, or somebody who's just starting out into the game, the first thing I do, the only advice I give them, as I say, you need to become obsessed with the learning aspect. Listen to every single podcast. You can listen to every single book because you need to, you know, empower yourself with that ability to have the knowledge to know, okay, I feel comfortable that I've t- I've taken so much time to learn this, and now I can take action. Is that is is that the similar is that a similar mindset that you had when you were first starting out?
3: Absolutely. So I graduated in May of 2018. Uh, was st- got to San Antonio, I think longest time timeframe after nine mm-hmm. days from the academy, and then um, basically took two or three months just to learn as much as I could. So I was reading every book, listening to every podcast, um, connecting with different investors on Bigger Pockets, taking them out to lunch, trying to pick their brain, and then I gave myself the the goal date of taking actions. So starting 2019 in January. And I think that's the the second part to what you were saying is once people educate themselves and become obsessed with it, they need to take action. Because I see a lot of people right. kind of stuck in that analysis paralysis phase.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's now man, analysis paralysis is real. Um, and it's, it's not a fake thing. So you're 100% right, you have to strike that fine balance of, a, you know, preparing yourself with the knowledge, but at some point, you kind of have to, uh, you know, jump off the ledge, so to say, and and dive in there. But do it you know what it's calculated risk that's how I like to call it. If you do your numbers, you have your knowledge, you can you can invest very smartly. So, uh why don't you walk us through a little bit of, you know, so after you're in that 3 to 4 month rage, you're you know, you're you're in that first phase, you're preparing yourself. What's the next step in your journey to uh, you know, into your financial into your real estate world?
3: Absolutely. So, starting in 2019, I connected with a great investor-friendly realtor and I just started making offers. Everything on the market that I can find, I started making offers. I knew it was a numbers game, right? Uh, I, I wasn't going to make five offers, get one accepted. I was making, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50. And then finally, um, I came across one that was an REO property or a real estate owned, basically a foreclosed property and our bank owned and um, made the offer. Didn't hear anything from them for a couple months. So I just assumed they didn't accept the offer. Uh, they came back a few months later, said, hey, we're going to take your offer. And so that was ended up being my first deal. I bought that property. So fix it up, kept it as a rental, rented it out, refinanced it, all that, and still in that rental today. So that was kind of the first property. And then I was like, that wasn't, well, that wasn't too bad. I got
1: this <laughs> It's like oh, that oh, yeah. actually
3: worked. Oh yeah. Actually, much- yeah, what well, they said is true. How much cash? How much cash did you
2: have to come up with on, on your first deal?
3: Sure. So on the first one, um, I think I ended up buying it for one hundred and five thousand. Put about forty thousand into it, so you know, like one forty-five rough. That's rough numbers. Mm-hmm. And then it appraised right around, uh, I think one ninety-five to two hundred. So I was able nice. to almost the cash out. I think I left maybe like five ten k in that deal. But right. Five ten k to grab, you know, fifty k in equity would
1: Plus, no. you know,
3: it's cash flowing me a couple hundred bucks a month. That I don't think right, it's, right. It's awesome.
1: a, it, yeah, man, that's fantastic. Go ahead, Spiros. That's, I mean, I, that is that's the dream right there. That's taking, you know, recycling your money and you get what people don't understand, right? That I, I think that at least the average investor is you do the burr method and you still have the property. <laughs> so you could right. you get your money back, you do it again, and you still have the property. So I love it. I love it. Absolutely. So
2: a lot yeah. of a lot of our listeners, Jason, I think you know, are like, hey, that sounds great, but I don't even have the you know, the five or 10 grand that. it takes to get in the game i mean without asking you a personal question i mean did you dive into this having saved some cash that you were going to deploy or did you dive into this education and action piece thinking i'm gonna do this the way they say, which is like, I'm not going to use my own cash. I'm going to use my brains and my effort. T- tell us about that a little bit. Absolutely. So
3: I finan- finance most of it with a hard money lender. And so no hard money lender is going to give you a hundred percent of the purchase right. rehab. You're going to have to come with some skin in the game. So I think for me, that ended up being probably around $30,000. And with that, okay. um, I actually saved that up while in college. And uh, I, took I took something called the cadet loan, took something called the cadet loan, and mm-hmm. so um, I spent some of that, you know, just traveling and putting in investments for one K Roth IRA, that sort of stuff. Um, but I think I, between what I had saved throughout college and that cadet loan, I was able to come up with that
1: 30,000. Jason, you got to say that one more, one more time for me. Cause I know a lot of the cadets that I talk to, they have something similar. They at West point, they call it the cow loan. Right. And I tell every single time I talk to them, I say, you should take your cow loan and you should go buy a house. Right. Cause that can really help you. So every Jason say, one more time, what you did with your cadet loan that you got? What did you and do? I, and then I'll I, tell everybody
2: what I did with
1: it. <laughs> we'll compare notes.
3: Oh, man. I, yeah, I, I saved it and I used it to, for my first investment property and probably the best decision I've ever made. Um,
1: Jason, I, I'm, I'm going to fast forward real quick. All right. But your first, ca- your first cadet loan, you go from one property. What to today in 2024, how many properties have you purchased, sold, wholesaled from the, from the ca- uh, cadet loan to 2024?
3: Uh, as far as deals go, I've probably done close to 200, like 150, 200, somewhere around there.
1: <laughs> come, on. come on, there it is. I mean, all right. So there. Anytime somebody talks to me again, I'm gonna say, hey, go listen to episode 11. Listen to Jason Lee at the eight minute and 30 second mark, and you will you will get every every answer you need. So, all right, Spiros, tell us what what nonsensical uh, decision you made with your uh, cadet I, loan.
2: I took my uh, well, I wasn't a cadet by the way. I took my oh, career whatever. starter loan, and I bought a BMW. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a pretty
3: naval academy
1: thing to do right, right ex- <laughs> exactly right, right. <laughs> exactly right. right oh man all right jason i'm 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 intrigued okay all right so we get the first house and i and i think this is what a lot of not only new investors but seasoned investors they struggle with scaling right so you could do you could do one two four five seven properties but scaling from that is very difficult right and it's kind of where i'm at in my in my own personal journey right i've done uh you know 12 deals or so, but I'm looking to get, you know, people, you know, to get to that next level. So just walk us through a little bit what you did personally, or, you know, what niche did you find that helped you to really, you know, just skyrocket from, you know, a, an investor to a really experienced investor?
3: Absolutely. So after my first birth, um I, I flipped the property after that and just kind of onesie twosies um, while still being full-time military. And it was about 20, I think it was 2021 when I was just looking for more deals and I was getting everything either from the MLS or from wholesale. And the more I looked, the more I was like, man, there's just a lot of bad deals out there. Not that wholesalers are all bad, but just a lot of bad deals that are being put out there. And uh, all the good ones, it's just way too competitive. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, maybe it's time to go start finding my own deals, start seeing what this whole wholesaling is about. So I did some research and ended up partnering with my current business partner. um, His name's Aaron now. And so Aaron had been doing it for a handful of years before me. And so he had a little bit more experience. Um, But we kind of joined forces in 2022 with just us two running around doing everything and me still being full-time military he was doing it full-time as an investor uh, we we're probably doing like you know three to four properties so still pretty good and then but what allowed us to scale because right now we're probably doing anywhere from like eight to twelve properties a month is kind of what we're at Ooh,
1: that's um, awesome
3: like this month for example i think we just contracted number seven we should have a couple more by tomorrow that's um, awesome but, um i definitely say it's it, it's people that's what allows you to scale you you know you can only do so much by yourself but if you're really looking to to do uh, more and more deals it's scaling and that's something that we've had to learn throughout 2022, 2023 is, hey, how do we hire people? How do we create systems? How do we um, create processes that allows us to do that? Because what I've heard, and we've hired a business coach last year and something he always told us was like, hey, at the end of the day, you're a business. Like, yes, you're a real estate investor. Yes, that's how you make your money. But that's just the vehicle. (laughs) At the end of the day, like you're a business. Everyone has different vehicles, uh, no matter what it is. But all businesses operate the same. They all have their systems, their processes. and so Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that really answered your question. Yeah, no, that- the
1: details. No, please. I don't want. I, I can talk all day about this, Jason. So I want to give Spiros a chance to jump in. But I, that that answered my question, and I have more. But Spiros, I don't know if you wanted to jump in first.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it it sounds like, and I, and I'm gonna borrow. Hopefully, I'm allowed to do this, Mike from Lady Jen DuPlessis. She talks about working in your business. That's all about you. And then she Mm -hmm. talks about working on your business, which it sounds like is what you're doing right now, trying to build those systems and that sort of thing. And then she talks about working above and then beyond your business, right? And that's obviously, I think what we all want is passive income someday that doesn't require you to really get up out of bed if you don't desire to that day. So I guess with all that said, my question to you is what is your goal for your for your business? Where do you see yourself? I mean, you're sounds like you're only a few years into it, right? From your first deal to today, maybe five years, four or five years. Yep. I mean, where do you see yourself five years from now?
3: So in five years from now, so at least with the company that we have and our company, uh, it's named Murphy Homebuyers in San Antonio. And so we'd like for gross revenue to be $5 million a year and then profit margins somewhere between 30 to 35%. And yeah. from there, you know, I, I think I'd be happy with where that company is at. And I probably don't want to grow anymore because at a certain point, yeah. if you have too big of an operation that's trying to do, you know, 30, 40, 50 deals a month,
1: mm-hmm. I mean, it's just
3: it's this beast with a ton of overhead and a lot of headache and your profit sure. margin shrink down. So that's where I'd like that company to be at. And then from there, I'd probably transition over, you know, hire someone to take that over. And then I don't really know what's next, you know, transition to somewhere else in the real estate realm, whether that's a little bit more lending. Um, I played around with the idea of opening Title company buying some sort of service company like HVAC company. Um, mm-hmm. That's sort of, so that's just kind of the immediate plan. I'm trying to focus on just this one thing because, right? Like I said a lot of people can get that shiny coin syndrome where you focus on something else and you do a right. bunch of things not very well. I guess so. Right. Whether
2: whether you're getting out of the air force in a couple of years or you know in 15 years, I bet I know what you're not going to be doing when you retire. You're so, not going to yeah. be looking for a job, right? <laughs>
1: and,
3: I completely, and I completely miss this important piece. Um, I actually just. Separated from the military, uh, hey, the of last year, so I hit that five. Oh, congratulations, man! It, all right, I cool. have dive, dive, but that's part <laughs> of the reason why I, I decided to start looking for my own deals in 2022 because I wanted cool. to see, hey, is this is this a real business? Is this viable? Is this something that I can jump to? Right,
1: I'm out of the military. Well, congratulations, Jason. I just, uh, I just got off a terminal leave in December, so I'm officially off active duty as well. So I, cool. I, joined you. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in the, I'm in the club now. So all right, Jason. I want to dive in. We've never had a wholesaler on. on the show before, and I think that's something that's really appealing, especially to a uh, you know younger investor who might not have a lot of money, a uh, startup money, but they have a lot of time and they can network and they can make calls. So, can you talk a little bit of just about what wholesaling is, how you know how you go about it, and maybe some tips and tricks on on being successful in that in that world?
3: Absolutely. So, I'll start off with what wholesaling is. Wholesaling okay. is when you go find a deal off market directly to the seller. You sign a contract with them. Hey, I'm going to buy your property for eighty thousand dollars, let's say. You then take that contract. And you assign it and find another investor buyer for it that'll is willing to pay more for that property. So let's say they say, Hey, I can buy that property for ten thousand, I mean, excuse me, for ninety thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You basically assign them the contract, they become the new buyer, and you make that difference that ten thousand dollar assignment. And um, that's essentially what wholesaling is and doesn't require a ton of money to get into, which is why a lot of newer investors will without without a lot of money, but maybe a lot of time, we'll get into it. And I will and say, che- that- Oh, go ahead.
1: Hold on. I-, I wanna pause you right there because that that's Obviously, what wholesaling is, right? And I think a new investor would say, Well, why would you know, let's use me as an example. And I have and I'm buying a property from Jason. Why would Mike pay Jason $90,000 for a property that he just got for $80,000? And Jason, you tell you correct me if I'm wrong. Me as an investor, I will gladly play pay Jason $10,000 for, uh, you know, marketing, for going out and finding the property, for talking, for knocking on the door, for doing all the legwork to bring me a deal that even at $90,000, if the ARV is. Is you know one hundred and eighty thousand, and I have uh, room to make money all day long. I'm going to pay Jason. I'm paying him for his time for doing all the work and, br- and presenting me with a deal that otherwise, uh, but for Jason, I would never have it.
3: Absolutely. So finding, and this is probably a good place to put this in. I'm, I wouldn't market myself as necessarily a wholesaler. I would say our superpowers in our company is just finding off market deals. We were actually doing a lot of uh, flips rentals, and then if you're familiar with wholesaling, mm-hmm. you know what that is. Yep. Uh, I'm. Just-
1: I'm not. I don't. I don't know what wholesaling is. Sure.
3: Sure. So, wholetailing, kind of similar to wholesaling. So, basically, it's when you buy a property. You actually buy it. We buy it ourselves. Uh-huh. And then we, we'll like clean it out, and then we'll just list it as is on the market. And then mm. not, yes, we'll likely come and buy it. And the reason why we do that instead of maybe wholesale is that once you put it on the market, that gets the most eyes on it and the most buyers on it. So, likely, you get a little bit more
1: money. So, you're so you're buying a, proper, a, di- a distressed property, cleaning it out, so to say, not doing any renovation, and then just putting it back on the MLS?
3: Essentially. Or if we're putting hmm. money in it like, you know, 500 bucks, 1,000 Sure.
1: Dollars. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
3: definitely. I, I've
2: yeah. heard of it called as the, you know, lipstick on a pig strategy too. <laughs>
3: yeah. So we loved it. And the only reason why we changed a little bit more to wholesaling this year is one, as we scale, the more deals we have, that we just don't have enough private capital to take down all those deals and buy them ourselves. And then two right. is with the market had shift, at least in San Antonio, shifting and slowing mm-hmm. down, um, it's a little bit more risk if you buy everything versus wholesaling. But right. what I was trying to get at as far as finding those deals off market, Market, which is kind of our superpower we find a great deal then we figure out what we want to do with it because if you have a good deal mm-hmm. you can go a million different directions
1: with it. right um, right
3: learning that process i mean it's an art and it's a business at the end of the day like i did not appreciate wholesalers when i was working with them being on the buy side because i was like what did they do all they do is right money, extra money right. they don't do any work um, but it's until you actually try go getting a deal yourself do you realize one marketing costs money you know if you want to know mm-hmm. what channels you're doing two it takes a lot of time and three you know the sales and Negotiation, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. It's it's very very valuable.
1: So Jason, talk us. To, you say your superpower is finding off market deals. Talk us a little bit about, um, you know, what you've done, or or what are some tactics? Like, how do you how do you use that superpower? How do you find off market deals that make sense to you know then have in your inventory to make those decisions on you know pursuing one of the options that you that you discussed?
3: Absolutely. So the first thing is it all comes down to marketing, right? It's you know how do we get um, how do we find these sellers? That want to sell their property either because yeah. maybe they're in a distressed situation they're going through a divorce foreclosure something like that or you come across people that just don't want to sell on the market because money's not a big factor to them they don't want mm-hmm. people coming to their house for showings or they just need the money fast so there's a few different marketing strategies and methods if you i the ones i pitch to people that have a lot of time but not a lot of money i'd say hey door knocking is a great one um, going on that mls making offers is another good one and then cold calling cold texting um, those are fairly entry-level marketing Strategies. The thing with that is that it just takes a lot of time, but Mm -hmm. and you're gonna get a lot of nose and slaps in the face, you know, doors in the face. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's definitely deals there. And then once you start getting a little bit more money, let's say wholesale a little bit, there's some new marketing strategies that I kind of recommend to people that are less time intensive, but um, still yield grade results just cost more money. And this is the stuff that we do. So mail is one that we, we constantly do. Uh, we run TV ads and then big online presence through SEO, PPC. Um, those mm-hmm. are our main
2: marketing strategies right now. Cool. That's awesome. That's exciting. I have a question for you. Why do you think so many wholesalers have a really bad reputation? So I think two
3: parts of that, two answers answers to that the first one is that to them it's just we want to squeeze as much money as we can out of it we don't care if it's a if it's a first-time buyer that has never done a deal before it's you know we'll probably never see them again but as long as we make mm-hmm. our money cares who gets hurt in the process and i think there right. is some of that out there and so that typically those people they're inflating the arvs they're under um, mm-hmm. valuing the rehab costs just to make the deal look sexy they're, they're right free picking comps um but i think the second part to that is some of it is maybe you know they're, they're they don't really care what happens to people but i think a lot of that is honestly just kind of ignorance and like inexperience on their behalf yeah. because most mm-hmm. wholesalers as we said before they get into wholesaling because they don't have a lot of money right they can't get straight into flipping they can't get straight into the burst strategy and these other methods and so for a wholesaler it's easy to theoretically pump out numbers on a deal and say oh theoretically it should be this mm-hmm. but anyone that's ever flipped the house before will tell you like nothing ever goes right you always go over budget <laughs> it's, ne- it's never perfect like the plan yeah um and and so they just they don't know. It's like the college kid that everything's perfect in you know textbook theory, right? But right. Then you go out into the real world and it's very different, right? So yeah, Spir-
1: Spiros and I are both flipping a house right now, so we can strongly relate to the to, to that statement of going over budget and okay. and uh, tr- trying to stay on track. So no, that's that. Those are great points. And I don't know the way I see it, Jason. Right? Like if I'm a, if I'm a young wholesaler, experienced wholesaler, whatever it may be, if I'm honest and I'm creating you know a, a, a good situation. For my investor on the other end, that's a contact, that's a, a friend, that's a um, mentor, whatever you want to call it, for life that I can always go to. Where if we do a, uh, you know, we have successful business, we have a good transaction. The next time Jason brings me a deal, I'm not going to think it's just lipstick, yeah. lipstick with a pig, or somebody trying to inflate numbers because I know Jason cares about my deal. I know Jason's in the trenches. I know he knows the market, and I'm gonna, you know, obviously do my due diligence, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at that deal a lot differently and a lot quicker than it is, you know, some random person posting it on the, you know, San Antonio home buyers Facebook group with crazy ARVs and, you know, nonsense. So I don't know, just, you know, in my perspective, if, if you're a wholesaler, your M buyers are so important to you because those are, you know, those are, that's your lifeline. That, and yeah. if you could build those connections, it's huge. You can't put a price on it.
3: Absolutely. I would rather, and our strategy with that is we're slowly building our wholesaling list, but we keep it very small. I mean, we only have like 10, 15 people because mm-hmm. we want them. We know that they're good to close. We know, that they right. trust me and we trust them. Um, and that's a very different approach than a lot of other wholesalers of like, hey, let me just blast it out right. to thousands of different cold Everybody. emails that I've never reached before. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, those hit the
2: spam inbox anyways. Yeah,
1: <laughs> great point. So great So Jason,
2: on on houses that you flip, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what what is the typical kind of project that you're taking on dollar-wise and then and then time-wise, you know, how long mm-hmm. are you spending on these flips? Sure.
3: So I've done kind of flips all over. I've done like the hundred-year-old historic. Homes. I've done, you know, you literally paint flooring. And so I've come to learn that I love the easy stuff. I love, um, <laughs> Me too. Stuff. Yeah, I would say, you know, if we can be in and out in less than six weeks, you know, I would say eight weeks, probably max. Um, yeah. Mainly cosmetic. We have a lot of foundation stuff in San Antonio. So we'll do foundation just because. Um, yeah,
1: I found I found that out the hard way, Jason.
3: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of foundation stuff. In yeah.
1: San so I just did my first foundation repair in San Antonio. So I am uh, I found that out the hard way.
3: <laughs> oh, man. And if you hey, if you ever need any uh, contacts.
1: Like, yeah, man, for sure.
3: Contact stuff, you should appreciate me
1: that. And, appreciate um, that.
3: But yeah, so we like the easy stuff. So foundation will do, you know, light plumbing work like electrical work um, but anything we could do like mainly cosmetic floor paint we'll redo the kitchens the bathrooms that sort of thing in and out mm-hmm. is what we like so typically anything that requires a heavier rehab um, we'll go ahead and wholesale it or mm-hmm. wholesale it and unless there's just crazy upside to it but usually you know the rehabs we do they're like 40k or less usually
1: okay and jason are you uh did i read correctly are you an um a, a real estate agent as well so are you listing these uh homes yourself
3: so i am not i have never been licensed okay a realtor and um um, yeah, I mean, I don't think you need to. At least in Texas. No, no, you to, And
1: so, do you guys have a real estate agent, like a go-to agent who lists everything for you, or are you are you, uh, you know, putting them on an independent MLS service? Sure,
3: we have two realtors that we we constantly. Okay. For. So one of them. Okay. Was she she's actually the one way back when that helped me get my first bird deal. Steve oh, cool. They, that's um, that's yeah. that's awesome. She's awesome, and so we use her for all of our flips, and so you know, okay, we give her probably like one to two every single month, and then cool, um, we have have a different realtor that he lists a lot of our as is stuff just because dealing with like investor. Yeah. Yeah. buyer versus retail buyers.
2: It's very different. Right. We have yep. to do that. Yep. And he does our mobile homes too. So we do a lot. Cool. Of that. Cool. That's awesome. So tell, uh, us, tell us, go uh, ahead, list out your team. You know, you, you kind of highlighted, you got a couple of realtors, but let's stretch that out a bit and tell us about your whole team and what kind of people you depend on to, to kind of keep your business going.
3: So as far as our, our actual employees and everything, people within the company, uh, we have myself and then my business partner, Aaron, and then we have one lead manager or inside sales guy and his job is basically, hey, we do all this marketing. You have sellers calling in. He's the first line of defense or the first guy that's picking up the phones, calling these sellers and qualifying them. Hey, is this actually a lead for us? And he determines if they're qualified. And then if they are qualified, we have that one lead manager. Um, he creates appointments for, we have two acquisition managers, and these are the guys actually going to the houses, meeting the sellers, making offers, negotiating, and locking up the deal. So our sales guys really. So he's setting appointments up for them. So we got one lead manager, uh, two acquisition Acquisition guys, we have a construction manager um, that runs most of our our flips and our rehabs. Okay, um, and we have two virtual uh, people down in Mexico. Uh, one is more for administrative stuff, like office admin, and then the other one is for right now. I'm trying to build out a lot of my uh, SOPs or systems and processes, and so his job is basically full-time, just like documenting everything for me. Um, so that way we have a playbook or a manual for the company. And then um, outside of the company, we have the realtors like I was talking about. And then we just have great contacts everywhere else. We have good GCs that we can use. We have good lenders, hard money lenders, private money lenders. We have a one title company that we do like 99% of our transactions with. They're investor friendly, um, awesome, awesome people. And um, yeah, and I, I think that just building those connections are the thing that's allowing us to do more and more deals. Awesome
1: jason i hear this a lot on different podcasts that i'm listening to and i think um you know you've just described a really really good core group of people right but a lot of the podcasts i listen to are investors that i hear from um they they struggle with finding people who have the same drive and work ethic as as the the owners right as the two main people so i, I don't know if you can talk a little bit about what your approach has been or how you've you have found people who care as much as you to be successful and and you know, put in the time, and especially the person that you mentioned, who's the, who, that frontline defense, basically, who's getting those first phone calls. That person's got to be instrumental in just being able to know the lingo and have the conversations with potential home, uh, you know, people who are selling their homes, and 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 to be able to articulate what you guys have in your mind as the as the owners and get that information over. That's a big wordy question, but I don't know if uh, if you could touch upon that a little bit.
3: Absolutely. So I will say that our guys are rock stars. I'm thankful for for each one of them. And um, the, yeah, they're, they're absolutely awesome. I'm so happy to have them on the team. And so just hiring people, that was a learning process in and of itself. And I'm still trying to learn how to manage people these days. But one of the big things is that, I guess that while we were hiring on that, we just some, I would say some advice for people ever like looking to hire people on their team. One is we actually use like, I don't know if you've heard of, like the disk profile or the disk personality profile.
2: Uh, I, I haven't, haven't, but I'm interested. I haven't.
3: Sure. So it's kind, of, it's kind of like any of those other per, uh, personality profiles. I think there's like Meyer Bridge the enneagram is another one i like disc because it's four letters i can military guys like i can do four letters right the other one there's like eight nine ten different things but basically every i've noticed that like every position in every job there are certain people that are wired a certain way to fill those positions because for example sales guys sales guys have a certain disc profile they're usually a di or an id so when we go out looking for people we look for people that have those personality profiles not saying that if you don't you can't be successful in that but it's just there people are wired a certain way and so when you try fitting like a round peg in a square hole, right? Like it just, it doesn't really work and people end up getting burnt out. So the sales guys we have right now, like they fit their disc profile and they like absolutely love their job and they crush it. So that's one thing that we always use um, when hiring people. And then the second thing that I say is pretty big is just setting like expectations up front and very clear with those people. And we actually have KPIs or key performance indicators. And these are metrics that we use to track our employees. So each one of the guys, it's like, hey, you need to make this many calls a day. You need to be making this many offers a day. You know, we, we track how many deals that they're locking up and it's all self-reported. And so that way they know like, Hey, these are my goals. These are my expectations. And I know how to do my job very clearly. So those are the the two main things. And that helps us kind of manage them, but also like get them to where they know like how they're performing too. Like, I
2: guess, I guess, yeah. That, that look, that's amazing. Let me tell you, I mean, I've been in business, I've run my own company for the past 20 years. And it sounds like you are legit watching the details, you're building systems, you're you're, you're creating an enterprise as opposed to, you know, what we in the business world call a legacy business, which is something that's very difficult to sell someday. It's something that's very difficult to scale, but you're actually building an enterprise that's going to be scalable and it's going to allow you to achieve your goals. And guess what? Someday it's going to allow you to bring somebody in to uh, to run it because everything is has really been thought out, well thought out and, and have, you know, like you said, a standard operating procedure in place. That's amazing. Have that's off to you, man. That's that's very Thank cool. So that's Thank not so there. There's a lot of people that we've talked to, you know, that are investors, right? And they identify as an investor, and they, you know, a lot of them do very well. But you're taking it a step further. You're a business owner. You're you're developing an enterprise. So that's really great. That's actually a very cool thing to see.
3: I appreciate that. And yeah, this is stuff that we've slowly learned. I wish I knew all this from the beginning, and we'd be a yeah. lot further than we are. But it's just kind of learn as you go. So um, those are pieces of advice I would. Offer offer After doing it for a couple of years, and, and the last thing I'll say too is like we're nothing without the people, so we try yeah. our best to just treat our people well. Obviously, we want to pay them, but pay is only part of it. It's you know what gets them in the door, but not it doesn't. It's not the thing that gets them to stay. So sure, we try to build sure. a good company culture, good core values. You know, we do company outings and stuff, and try to. Um, bring everyone's families. And so our goal is just to make it a great place for people to work and hopefully they just never leave.
2: That's awesome. So tell me what um, what can we do, Mike and I and, and the Freedom Fries podcast family do to help you? So,
3: well, first, I just appreciate you publishing me on your, your podcast. Um, yeah. I definitely, I, I just love connecting with people and that's a big push the last couple months and in 2024, that's a big push for my partner and myself is to start connecting with more people. Um, we've started to get bigger on social media Media um, starting to post more. Just hey, if you want to get started, here are some tricks and tips and stuff that we've learned throughout the, the years doing you know 200 deals or so. Yep. And so yeah, I would say just anyone looking to, to get started in real estate, anyone that's in the middle of their journey looking to scale, like just point them my way. I'm more than happy to to talk to them, and I just love connecting with people.
2: Great. And how about um, you had mentioned earlier about sort of going Winchester on your available capital to do more and more deals? Is that something you're open to? As people that have capital to deploy. But don't necessarily want to do the work.
3: Absolutely, we love private lenders. We have a handful that we work with, and always looking for more. The way we work it is, we, we tie an investor to a deal, and we make sure to do all the proper documentation and everything. So their their money is attached to the de- to the property itself. So we can't go run away with it. You know, you have a lien on the property. You have we call it a, a deed of trust here instead of like a mortgage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we tie it to the property. So if anything should happen, it's at least it's secure, and they can foreclose and all that. And we have never done that before. Sure. Uh, But yeah, we, we love private lenders.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's really great, man. I think we lost Mike for some technical reason there. So, um, I'll kind of close this out. It's been a pleasure, Jason. Um, to get to know you and and uh, no joke i'm in awe of the enterprise that you're building it's very cool and uh and i'll tell you you know uh, i'll definitely be calling you because i do have you know some capital to deploy and i know quite a few people here in my local area that i live in Florida right so sometimes it's hard to deploy capital in Florida just because the prices are so high sure. and the margin levels are uh you know they're not always conducive uh, so i do know a, a good bit of people here that would love to deploy into a more uh, investor-friendly market. So uh, definitely uh, keep an eye out for those uh, texts and calls from me.
3: Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much for having me and I'll definitely connect with you after the show. And yeah, just looking looking forward to keeping in touch with uh, you and Mike and typical Great. Army guys can't figure out, yeah, the technology, but
2: uh, it's all right though. <laughs> That's all good. All right, man. Thanks, Jason. Okay. Take care.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom Fries podcast. Join Mike and Spiros next time as they bring more real talk about real estate investing highs and lows. Freedom Fries is focused real estate investing for epic success.